Let's see. How many remember? So we're in this three-part sermon series. Build back better. And we are not referring to our president. If you were here, weren't here last week, we are not talking about that. Last week, build. Hmm, let's see how much you remember. It's quiz time. Jesus said, I will build my church. We learned last week that Jesus wants to build his church. We talked about two aspects of the church. Oh, let's see how good you are. The church universal, which consists of all believers from all time, those who've already gone on to heaven and those who are here, Baptists, Pentecostals, Orthodox, Catholics, the church universal. But there's also the church. Oh, who said that? Brother John? Oh, all right, the church local. And we were talking about how most of the New Testament is written to local churches with their quirks and their uniquenesses. And uh, we learned about that. We learned that there were three analogies for the church, and they all begin with B. The bride of Christ, the body of Christ, and the... I know. What? Building of Christ, the temple. And then, oh, I know, that one's like, well, you're really pushing it, Daryl, to put Pastor Daryl to say building, you know. We learn that God's will is for the church to grow, that the church should grow in maturity. We're supposed to become more like Jesus. And the church is to grow numerically. The church, Jesus did not say I would maintain my church, you know, just occupy till I come. No, he wants to build his church. And that nothing of eternal value happens without God. We can do nothing without him. There are no gimmicks we can pull to build this church. It's going to be God and God alone using us. We are his building crew. We're his construction crew. It won't be easy, but Jesus wants to build his church through us. Build. Dun, dun, dun. Back. Back. Wait a minute, it gets better every week. Build back. Jesus, and now I, I do want you to know, I am learning things. I wasn't going to tell you this, but I made this beautiful PowerPoint. You were going to be so impressed. I was just going to go, oh, kind of like Vanna White. And we have this beautiful projector. And you know, we're not quite ready for it yet. And I assumed we were. But you know what assuming does, but we don't talk about that from the pulpit. So uh, hopefully within a few weeks, We'll, you'll be able to follow along and, and be able to read all of the scripture. I can tell some of you know what assuming does, the way you're smiling, okay? But John 14, 2 and 3, that's our key text this morning. And these are the words of Jesus. And he said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come back. I will come back and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. Just as Jesus said he would build his church, Jesus said, I will come back. It is one of the cardinal doctrines of the Orthodox historic church, the return of Jesus Christ. There is no complete gospel without talking about the return of Jesus Christ. 
He made it very clear that he was coming back one day. And if you have one of those, I don't even know if they make them anymore, red letter edition Bibles. Anybody have a red letter edition Bible? You know, they used to make them all the time. A red letter edition Bible, all the words of Jesus were in red. Do you know what the last words of Jesus are? They're found in the last chapter of the last book of the Bible. Revelation 22, oh, it's right up here on the PowerPoint. The red, it says, yes, Jesus' last words are, yes, I am coming soon. I am coming soon. And John, the writer, the revelator, he said, amen, come Lord Jesus. And that is the cry of the church today. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. How, we don't talk about it enough, but we will this morning quickly look, and you can follow along in the notes, about the return of Jesus Christ. So let's start with the big question. When? You did not know you could come to church this morning, and I would tell you when Jesus is coming back. First answer, Jesus' return is imminent. Imminent. I kind of impressed that word, right? I'm an English teacher. I M M I N E N T. And it basically means it could happen at any time. Could happen today. It could happen today. It could happen tomorrow. It could postpone for 200 years. But it could happen anytime. It is imminent. The pastor, that's kind of a cop out. Yeah, when is Jesus coming back? It is imminent. I want a little more. All right? Since you asked for it, and it says here on your notes, but when? Drum roll, please. No one knows but God the Father. No one knows but God the Father. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 36, I'm not making this up. Now concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Neither the angels of heaven, nor the Son, except the Father alone. Jesus makes it very clear. We're not going to know the day or hour. If you go to a church somewhere and someone says, Oh, Jesus is coming back on August 23rd. That is not the spirit of Jesus. That is heresy. That's falsehood. Jesus made it very clear. No one knows but God the Father. So the story goes on. Jesus dies. He's buried. He's resurrected. He spent 40 days with his disciples, visiting with them and training them, and it's been a great time. And now it's about time for him to ascend to heaven. And, and he's right there. We're in Acts chapter 1. And he's talking to them, and one of them thinks, oh, maybe we can get it in one more time. You know, Lord, is this when you're going to restore the kingdom? You're going to come back. You know, you're going away, so why don't you just give us a little clue here? You know what Jesus said to them? It is not for you to know the times or the season that the Father has put in his own power. Basically, Jesus said, chill, it's none of your business. When the Father wants me to come back, I'll come back. So the answer there is, no one knows but God the Father. His return is imminent. It could be any time. So what else does the scriptures tell us about Jesus' return? Let's go to number two. Seen right here on the lovely PPT. Number two, his return is to be a source of great joy. Joy. J-O-Y. His return is to be a return, 
a source of great joy. Obviously, Jesus' disciples were overwhelmed. You know, he told them he's going to go away. He's going to be crucified by the Romans. It's not going to be pretty. Things are going to get rough. And he said to them these words in John chapter 16, verse 22. All of the scriptures are right here. I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice. And no one will take your joy from you. And it is the same for us. I wish I could tell you that life's always going to be great. And it's just going to be wonderful in one party after another. and Hallelujah all the way to glory. It's not. There are going to be days at work when people drive you crazy. There are going to be days at home when you drive people crazy. There are going to be hard times in life. But we have a, a joy. We, he says he's coming back, and it'll be a source of joy. It'll also be a source, number two, of great encouragement. When, we, when this sermon's just about over, we're going to read First Thessalonians chapter 4. Matter of fact, I think on that one we'll open our Bibles and look to it. Because the church in Thessalonica had some questions about the return of the Lord, and he gives one of the most beautiful descriptions of the return of the Lord in First Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. But he ends it with these words. After he's described the return of the Lord, he says, Where, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another with these words. If I could come to you this morning and I would encourage you, I'd say, It may be dark now, but Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. It is not a fairy tale. It is not something we do to make ourselves feel good. Jesus is coming back, and the scriptures make it very clear. We are to encourage ourselves. He will come back. Be encouraged. And it is finally, number three, a source of great hope. A source of great hope. Titus. Titus was a young man who was pastoring a church on the island of Crete. And so Paul wrote the letter of Titus to this young pastor to kind of help him to know how to pastor the church. And he wrote these words when he talked about the return of the Lord. Titus 2.13 on your notes. We wait for the blessed hope. We wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Throughout church history, the return of the Lord has been referred to as the blessed hope. Another word for blessed is happy. The happy hope of the church, the blessed hope of the church, is Jesus Christ will return. Jesus Christ will come back, and therefore we have hope. Would someone like to say amen? Thank you, six of you. Okay. But folks... My job is to declare the whole counsel of God. You know, not just the stuff that gives you goosebumps running up and down your arms. And the whole counsel of God, there's number three on your notes, a word of warning. It will get worse before it gets better. It will get worse before it gets better. If you've read the book of Revelation the only book in scripture which promises a blessing to those who read it. And I have read the book of Revelation many times. I'm going to be, and I, don't you want you, your, the person who's your guest pastor to know everything about scripture? Well, I'm sorry, I'm going to disappoint you. There's a lot in Revelation I don't understand. There's a lot I don't understand, but there are chapters upon chapters where it gets worse and worse 
and darker and more and more people are, are executed for their faith and the martyrs of the church and things get really rough. But in the end, we win. In the end, we win. But the word of warning is, it will get worse before it gets better. Timothy was another young pastor. He was pastoring in Ephesus. And so Paul wrote two letters to Timothy to teach him about how to lead the church. And in writing to, Paul was always talking about the return of the Lord. He wasn't shy about it. And he wrote these words to Timothy. But know this, it's on your notes. Timothy 3, 1 to 5. Know this, hard times will come in the last days. I didn't make that up. That's right there in the Bible. 2 Timothy 3, 1. But know this, hard times will come in the last days. And then listen to how he describes it. It sounds like something I'd watch on CNN, if I watch CNN. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irrens irren ir mm -hmm. irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness but denying its power. This is not a pretty picture. In fact, he says, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Well, I want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. Can we skip the persecuted part? But the word is very clear. It will get worse before it gets better. And it's scary to me, things that we never thought would happen in the United States happen now. Where when we stand up for biblical standards of holiness, we're called bigoted, self-righteous, whatever. Because we stand up for biblical standards of holiness and right living. Well, oh me, oh my, oh amen. Jesus said it this way, Jesus, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these events are the beginning of labor pains. Then they will hand you over to be persecuted and they'll kill you. You'll be hated by all nations because of my name. Then many will fall away, betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Lawlessness will multiply. Whew. The love of money will grow cold. It will get worse before it gets better. Pastor Parker, can we move along? I think I've heard enough of that point. Okay, let's do that. Number four on your notes. So what do I do while I'm waiting? What am I supposed to do while I'm waiting for Jesus to come back? Number one, wait patiently, remaining strong. I decided this week that, because I am not the most patient man. That's probably one reason he's allowed me to return to Puerto Rico to build my patience. Need I say anything else? Amen, yes. Oh me, amen. It says in James, James, do you know that James was the half-brother of Jesus? The book of James was written by the man who was the son of Joseph and Mary. Jesus was the son of God and Mary. 
But the book of James was written by his half-brother who became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And James, the brother of the half-brother of our Lord, said, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in James chapter 5, verse 7, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the earthly and latter rains, early and latter rains? You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. Be patient. Strengthen your heart. Well, how do I strengthen my heart? That's another sermon series, maybe another time. Number two, we are to wait watching. We are to wait watching, to be alert. <clears throat> now, some of you can think I am just like Mr. Cornball. But when I say goodbye to Kim each morning when I, I, I teach school, I will I'll kiss her goodbye. I say, I love you. And I, and I actually say, God bless you. And then I'll say, I'll see you at whatever time I'm coming home, 4.30, 4 to 5, 5. And three out of five days a week, I'll say, unless Jesus comes back. And we actually say that in my house. And she says, well, I won't be here either then. You know? But we want to be watching. We want to be alert. We don't want to let this drift out of our minds. Jesus Christ is coming back. We can be lulled into apathy. I thought that was kind of a pretty good phrase, lulled into apathy. Because it seems like we've been waiting for so long. When I was a little boy, this is, I'll tell you a true story. I grew up in a very strict, conservative, Pentecostal home. And you didn't go to movie theaters back then because my grandma said, if Jesus comes while you're in the movie theater, you're going to get left behind. That's what my grandma told me. She said, and she'd quote a Bible verse, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And that's why those movie theaters are dark. And I'm like, oh, yes. I never thought, well, that's the only way you can watch a movie, grandma. But if I would have said that to her, she would have slapped me silly. But anyways, uh, if you go to a movie theater, and Jesus comes back, you left behind. I was like six or seven years old and standing in line with my older brother at the Palm Theater in Phoenix, Arizona, waiting to see Mary Poppins. And I, I kid you not, I can see it to this day. Oh, Jesus, please don't come back while I'm in this theater. Please, I want to go, but I don't want to be left behind, but I want to see Mary Poppins. The crazy things that some of us grew up in with our religion. You know, thank God that he has... Maybe you believe that. So if you believe that, bless you. Okay? But I was watching. I was prepared. Uh, therefore, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 42, Therefore, be alert, since you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Be ready, because the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not respect. In Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13, it's the parable of the ten bridesmaids. Remember that story? Five of them were ready for the, for the bridegroom to come, and five of them weren't. And in the middle of the night, the bridegroom came. And a lot of that parable is difficult for us because we don't really understand that imagery, but the people back then would have. And the bridegroom came, and those who weren't ready in verse in, uh, were left behind. And to sum up the whole parable that Jesus said, he says in verse 13, Be alert, because you don't know either the day or the hour. We are to be waiting, watching, and alert. Number three, we are to, or the third one, wait 
working, steward. Oh, 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 we are to wait working or stewarding, stewarding. Like, is there really a word stewarding? I think there is. If not, I just made it up, and it's a good one. Okay? In Luke 12, 42 to 43, the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and sensible steward? His master will put him in charge of his household servants to give their allotted food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom the master finds doing his job when he comes. Part of the problem in the church in Thessalonica, which is why we get 2 Thessalonians, is because they thought, well, Jesus is coming back. I'm just going to sit and wait till he comes back. And they stopped working. They stopped doing everything. And that's where Paul wrote and says, if you don't work, you don't eat. And that we're supposed to work until Jesus comes. You and I, while we wait for our master's return, we are to manage what he's given to us. We are stewards. We manage what he has given to us, our time, our talents. Everything that he's, everything you have is from God. Hello, that's a whole other sermon series too. Everything we have is from God, and we are to manage that. We are to steward that until he comes. You know the parable of the, the, the talents. One had one, five, ten. One had, one, another one says one, two, and five. At the end, those who had used their talents well, the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. While they were waiting for their master to return, they stewarded. They managed what he had entrusted to them. While you and I are waiting for Jesus to come back, we are to manage what he has given to us. What are you doing with what you've got? All of us are gifted in some way. Are you serving others? Let me get one more quick story. Um, Jesus told the parable of the sheep and the goats. And when the, the king came back, he put the sheep on one side and the goats on the other side. And he said to them, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, oh, there it is, Jesus coming back, and all the angels with him, then he'll sit on his glorious throne. He'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? We're thirsty and give you something to drink. When did we see you a stranger and take you in? Or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the master will say, listen to this, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. While we are waiting for Jesus to return, we are to work. We are to steward we are to serve others. So Friday I'm driving in the car and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, Jesus is coming back. Yes, that's a good message, but how do you live it out during the week? What can we do, you know, other than say, I'm glad you're coming back, Jesus. What do you do? You find one of the least of these this week and you do something for them. You do something for your spouse. 
You do something for that person at work who drives you crazy. You, you find someone, and this is what, I, how do you live the sermon out this week? Find someone this week and do something for them. As if you're doing it unto Jesus. Jesus, what, find somebody and serve them this week. And Paul said, don't grow weary in doing good. All right, let's start to bring this thing home. The other side of the notes, number five, it's going to go quickly. Two happy happenings when Jesus comes back. Number one, the resurrection of the saints. The resurrection of the saints. And the reunion of the saints. Mm, 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 mm. One of my favorite passages in scriptures, and it is a passage that we very often read at gravesides, is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those which are asleep. You see, what had happened is years, at least 50 or 60 years, had passed, and the original saints were dying off. And the Christians were confused, like Jesus said he was coming back, and these people are dying. What's going on here? So Paul wrote, and he said, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those which are asleep, get down, that you sorrow not even as those which have no hope. I have this memorized, let's see. That we sorrow not even as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, how many believe Jesus died and rose again? The rest of you will give an all salvation all to come at the sermon. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so those also who sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain shall not precede those who are asleep. But we, for the, for, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and with the archangel voice, and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so will we always be with the Lord. The first happy happening is the resurrection of the saints. The resurrection of the saints. Those who have died in Jesus will be caught up with him. Woo! How many have someone you love who is now with the Lord? There will be a bodily resurrection, and they will be raised from the dead. Oh, that's next week. Oh, we'll get that minute. And reunion, reunion, reunion. I miss my mom and dad. I miss my mom and dad. I miss my grandmother, the one who told me Jesus would leave me behind in that movie theater. I miss her. I miss some of the dear saints from Christian Community Church. I miss friends. You know what? And, and I don't know if I should be this honest with you. You know, people say, oh, the first person I want to see is Jesus. The first person I want to see is my mom. I want to see my mom. And I have a hope. I have a hope. I have a hope. There will be a resurrection and there will be a reunion. Yes, 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 yes. Or as the Episcopalians would say, 
Amen. The reunion of the saints. Conclusion. It'll be sudden. It'll be sudden. In the twinkling of an eye. As lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so it will be with the coming of the Son of Man, Jesus said in Matthew 24. In 1 Thessalonians 5.2, Paul wrote, The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Just like that. We used to sing a song, Changed in the Twinkling of an Eye. Anybody know that one? Okay, I won't sing it. It'll be sudden. And finally, we must be ready. We must be ready. What kind of a guest minister would I be if I talk to you about the coming of Jesus but I don't ask you, are you ready to meet him? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? I'm not going to go to church. Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Didn't make that up. Paul wrote, if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. If you have questions about Christianity, about the Christian faith, I will stay here till the cows come home today and answer anything you want. I'll try, at least I'll try. I'll pray with you. But if you're not ready, Get ready. Amen. Next week. Next week. Wait a minute. Build. I will build my church. Back. Jesus is coming back. Better. You don't want to miss next week. I'm trying to, can I tell you what I'm, what I'm toying in, I'm toying with? Most of you know, many of you know that when I was in Bible college for four years, I lived in inner city, East Providence, Rhode Island, and I went to an African-American Pentecostal church. Woohoo! And that's probably why I'm a little like I am. Let's blame it on them. But in the African-American Pentecostal church of the 70s, at least, inner city, you have to remember, it was a difficult time for a lot of people, and people would go to church on Sundays, and that was, that was it. There was a rejoicing. It was a wonderful experience. But in, in my church, with Dr. Hero, when he would say something that people really liked, they would take out their hankies and wave their little hankies. So we're going to talk about better next week. I think I'm going to put a Kleenex in your bulletin. And if you don't like it and you think it's just really stupid, that's okay. That's okay. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. But let's celebrate better. Because when we talk about heaven, and it don't get any better, it doesn't get any better than that. Amen? All right, let me look at my bulletin. Are you supposed to receive the offering now? What am I? No, folks, you go, if you're visiting Second Union Church, I'm still learning how we do things, okay? And, and I was cued very well, and I wrote it all down in blue ink so I would know who did what. But I'm still learning, and thank you for giving me grace.
because I'm still learning. So, Steve, do we receive the offering? Is that what we do now? Is that what we do now? You know, with my preaching, you may want to receive the offering before I preach.